Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Pals Podcast. This is take two of our intro. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties lately. Whoops. But I'm your co-host, Ricky Liorti. I'm George Boutsalis. For those of you returning guests, thanks for being our pals and, and following us along this journey of ours. For those new new time, first time listeners, uh, we really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we would love it truly if you could leave us a review, give us five stars, subscribe, like, and all those great things. Uh, you know, we appreciate all the support so far, guys. Um, and if you want to continue to show your support, that would mean the world to us. If you could uh, get on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, leave us a review, comment, um, a like, a thumbs up our five-star review, that'd be terrific. Without further ado, let's jump into this pod and want to give a shout-out to our guest, big guest, Mr. Big, Michael, big Wek- guest. Mr. Michael Weckerly. Yeah, Michael Weckerly. Uh, he's kind of a good old friend of ours, a nice pal. Uh, we've met him many, many years ago, but we decided to have him in the studio to chat about his career on Bay Street, uh, his time on Dragon's Den, and most notably, his uh, new venture that he's working on that he's built, El Macombo. If you don't know about it, it's one of the most legendary venues in the city of Toronto and probably in the whole country. Uh, it's a staple in the city. He bought it a couple years ago, and he's finally getting ready to really change the entertainment and nightlife scene in Toronto, bringing a lot of good homegrown guests into the city while also providing a stage for a lot of local artists to get their, their name out there. So doing a lot of great things, supporting local, and we had a good chat about all of it. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, we want to give a shout-out to a uh, a new sponsor and supporter of the Pals podcast. Um, just a terrific, terrific, terrific company. Uh, my pal, what do you got in your hand over there? Damn, that sounds nice. Day after St. Patty's Day too, so, you know, we've uh, put a few of these back yesterday, I think. Oh, yeah, we were crushing a couple of them. We'd like to give a shout-out, and this is our new, one of our new presenting sponsors, Kingsville Brewery. Uh, we've been drinking the Light A Lager, and it's refreshing, light, premium and it's a perfect drink to have with your pals on the cottage in the studio wherever you are it's all natural clean ingredients award-winning canadian beer they're available at your local lcbo beer stores grocery stores and some of the best beer we've had and big shout out to them because they even gave us this nice red fridge you'll see in our studio uh on youtube so check them out at www.kingsvillebrewery.com or on socials at kingsville brewery yeah, love it. That fridge is fantastic. Kingsville, thank you so much, guys. It makes it very easy for me to grab a nice, refreshing Kingsville Canadian beer uh, literally right next to the couch. So appreciate that. And guys, as someone who's not the biggest beer drinker, I can tell you that uh, these are honestly, the, the beer is incredible. Uh, we love partnering with people who we believe in their brand, believe in their product. And I can tell you Kingsville makes a quality beer. Uh, I really enjoy it. Like I said, I had a few of them yesterday for St. Patty's. So thanks, Kingsville. We appreciate the partnership. And uh, yeah, guys, go check them out at LCBO and pick up... Uh, pack today and yeah only 130 calories per pint Poof. you know i could afford to lay off the calories too so Heck thanks yeah. again kingsville appreciate that uh guys i want to give another shout out to our uh our baby our our, our uh project our our new platform cast uh for those who are not aware cast is a new social media platform and it's the first social voting platform of its kind. We are on a mission to remove the friction to participate in online conversations. And what that means is we want to create a place for people that people to be honest, authentic, curious, genuine, um, and just be themselves online. Uh, you know, we want to remove that fear of judgment and reprisal and create a, a curious community of people that can ask questions, give answers, have healthy discourse, and all of the important things in life that help stimulate conversation and, um, and communication. So... 
Right now we are in open beta. It's a super exciting time. We just launched the website, so you can now uh, download it from our website, from our social channels, wherever you need to get it. You can go to joincast.co or joincast.co on, on any social media platform and uh, and download the app today. We're live on Android now and on iOS, uh, and hopefully soon our, our our full web platform will be up. But yeah, get to, get to our website, www.joincast.co to download today. We love you all. Thank you for the support so far. And one last sponsor, last but not least, our good friends over at RFP Design. If you haven't been watching on YouTube, we actually have a brand new, sleek, sexy looking new couch in the studio. It's become a staple of our studio now and it's gorgeous. And it's from our good friends over at RFP Design. Reliable, innovative, skilled. This is your custom furniture experience transformed. They turn visions into requests, requests into reality. Uh, we've known Andrew Moretti and his team for many years now. And we finally got a chance to work with them. And the whole process was seamless. From designing the couch to picking the fabric to the delivery and installation, everything it was just super easy and convenient. They made our, our job super Honestly, super easy. So if you're looking for any new furniture or looking for any custom projects, reach out to them at www.rfpdesign.com and let them know that the pal sent you. You won't get a discount, but just let them know we sent you anyways just for fun. Hey, throw them a discount, Andrew. There we Come go. on. <laughs> for the pals. But Georgie. LFG, baby. Let's go. with the pals as long as jp's chopping up my uh, coffee yeah yeah don't worry don't worry. we got we'll have the, the drinks fine, finest coffee here well let me turn my phone on to yeah make sure make sure we're all on silent here yeah mike it's good to have you on thank you it's been thank it's been a while since we've last seen each other yeah well we go back quite a while <laughs> you know um i go back to the time uh and it's probably back if we have to fly back in time 10 years where we were sitting back in my pool in Forest Hill, and uh, we don't need to give too much information, <laughs> but uh, I was very impressed with you guys, you know, because you know, my daughter Carly, who's you know, my love, big, shout, life, out. big shout out, big shout out for Carly, uh, is that she always brought people there and she said, Daddy, you gotta know this person, he's gonna be something big. So now, fast forward. 10 years i'm here in your camp ricky so well it's a pleasure I appreciate it uh, it's humbling I love, I love pumping my tires a little bit I, i've always said it's nice when people do that right off the bat i appreciate that well definitely the best dressed guest we've ever had on the uh I know, well, I knew hey, you we love all show. our guests but i mean state what kind of come with a statement piece you know it's one of the times when i started the exchange with 1982 they said dress for success and i'd hair it down to the middle of my back and the person who hired me, Alec Miller, who's an incredible guy, he said, you know, you have 15 minutes to cut your hair. So I went to the hair barber. Those days, it was like in the, in the first Canadian place, which is the Aside building. And it had the, like the barber thing there, you know, it's kind of old school. And he said, how do you want your hair cut? I, and I was really like depressed because I spent many years, like 20 years growing this mane of mine. And uh, I thought it was very important to my personality. But at the end of the day, I looked at him, I go, I'd like you to cut it as short as you possibly can and in silence. How short did he go? Oh, right to, right to, the, right to the wood. Like just oh, right, I, as short as you could do it. I went from hair down to the middle of my back to right to the wood. It was like 
like army cut. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but I had I needed the job. I needed the money. I was uh, 19 years old. Uh, I just got a job on the exchange, and I kind of because of uh, you know last in first out, I had to leave, and I spent the next two weeks or four weeks just going to the exchange and trying to interview. And a really great company, <laughs> First Marathon, hired me. And uh, I have to give the respect to the people that really took me to the dance, you know. And Alec Barty Miller, who passed away last year, was probably the one of the most key individuals in my life. And he was an old school Scarborough guy, you know, that grew up the beaches and and you know his family was you know East End, and he was a real guy. And he used to look at me, and you know what? I've never seen somebody that is content with their lot as he is as people used to tell me you know and in the in the investment business you always try to you know step on the next stage and make more money you get the next boat get the next plane get the next bigger house uh but he said you know the person who's successful is content with their lot content with what they have and i didn't realize that till like 20 or 30 years later in my life where you can accumulate lots of things but really what the essence of life is is the ability to actually be content with what you have and it's not necessarily monetary it could be actually with what you're doing here and say hey man i'm happy with what i do i'm happy doing the interview i'm happy to build a wall of fame that is my wall of fame because all these people have relevance in my life yet they might not be to someone else's life but this is my life and if you have to go back from the days of the 60s, the Beatles and the Doors and all the different incredible artists like Jimi Hendrix, they would have said the same thing. You know, they really wanted to make a statement. And there was an artistic statement and a money statement. Uh, and sometimes they they coincide and sometimes they don't. But, you know, I'm very proud of you guys because, you know, you know you're half my age and I'm very proud of this <laughs> Pals podcast. Appreciate and, that. Yeah, appreciate know, that. And I'm gonna totally take these smarties out of this. <laughs> hey, help yourself at any time. <laughs> some. Actually, that you gonna tell it? So uh my buddy well, Ricky and some other pals of ours, um, my birthday last year, April, like middle of COVID, early days. I'm known for I have a history of doing like pretty yeah, out there birthdays kind of been tr right. some trips some not pretty very yeah. out there very yeah. okay well, I want to we have to, after this I want to hear the most out there birthday for sure I'm happy to share it why don't you some, tell it right now we had some pretty crazy ones let's tell this finish the right, right, story, story. Get don't tell it um, and then this year was kind of tame so we just <laughs> see that that is going to be the cutout version so if you want to subscribe for this podcast <laughs> you want to take the extra what I call the outcast version you know <laughs> then subscribe high up there you go that, honestly that's a good one i like that that's the, the um, this is the pg version we'll get that's that, right the, the, version. the step it up version <laughs> uh, but uh this machine they i'm like a i guess a candy he's known for eating. eating yeah i i eat a lot and they i love candy hard time you know, so you don't yeah, get a gum exactly, like this exactly we eat well um shit man i buy my my, my shirts in 16 pair now you know it's really awkward <laughs> and uh they uh, anyways they, my friends got me a candy machine and i had that in my house or my condo for from like April until we got the studio in October. So for about like whatever that is, three, four, five months. And I filled it up from Bulk Barn. By the way, that's expensive. That's a deep machine. Like it, it will rack up a bill. And I finished it basically. So when I got into the bottom, I was like, guys, I need to get this thing the hell out of here. Because I, I think I gained like 10 pounds. I would just every night, I'm like, you know what? Maybe one turn a night. And I just, oh, you yeah, know, no, three, I, I seven. I know, I know. Zero self -control. I know the feeling, you know. Yeah. I, I could go through. You know what the worst part about getting turtles are? 
is they give you three. Yeah. Uh, and you start with, well, I'll just take one. Then you take two. Then Twix decides to do a super size. I go, come on, man. Come on, so man. You, I can't do like one. No, I, I know. You can't do one. Like, please give me a limited edition because I love it too much. Yeah. And if I keep going down this path, I'm now down to the strawberry, the coffee, Hagen dog And I'm now going upscale. I'm going right into the Mocha Coca Local. No, you know, you know what? what? Thing, like, you know what? You know who I can't trust? People I can't trust. People who eat like one piece of chocolate and put the rest back. Oh, you no. gotta finish the bar. No, no, come on. Like, how can you no. have like the? No, no, no. I mean, I respect that's the discipline. Not chocolate. I don't trust that. No, I don't. I don't. It's, come on. It, it 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 is a fake see. Yeah. No, do you want to know the tough one is how they put family size on the bag of chips now? Yeah. It's like I eat that whole thing myself. We all do. No, you don't eat a couple of chips and put. I've put seen you the eat bag. two bags in like a, one. Yeah, it's like that's family size. That's not family size. But actually, funny story talking about chocolate. Me and George went to a chocolate tasting tour in switzerland at the lint chocolate factory yeah. back in it is upgrading. 2017 it is bragging now no so we went there and we're thinking you know what we'll be fine we'll just have a couple pieces of chocolate we'll try them all well they don't tell you at the end of this chocolate tasting it's a free-for-all it's a 30-minute all-you-can-eat chocolate buffet it's like Willy wonka it's yeah. literally we ate so you're, much you're diving in and oh, then yeah. you got the sugar crush after and we're supposed to go to a music <laughs> festival after and we're both borderline like candied oh, yeah. out zombies so but yeah, that was Switzerland. That was a good one. Well, speaking about music festivals, Weckfest, that's yeah. obviously it's the it's, it's probably the hottest party in the city that you can never go to. Yeah, you know, I started this for Seeds of Hope, which was a uh, a great challenge because, you know, I really believe in the underprivileged environment. You know, having grown up as, you know, immigrant parents that came into the city and, you know, three sisters, you know, my hand-me-down clothes were chick clothes, so it was kind of embarrassing at school. Uh, <laughs> true, sorry. Uh, but, uh, you know, what I realized is that, you know, to make a difference in life, you have to make a statement. So the statement I saw, when, and it came on the back of a really kind of interesting article on me. So it called the, the God of Trading, and it was really not presented to be like that it was supposed to be about the whole team and the network but they changed it and they got a picture of my nostrils like this and it was this really kind of an invigorating picture in the rob magazine and the next day uh they had an article saying that you know everybody who's been on the front page of this rob magazine has dropped off the face of the earth within a few months and uh and then the next day, there was an article saying that, you know, you might as well change your name and move to Belize. That's where I have that statement. And it kind of got me kind of freaked out a bit. And then I started getting, you know, beautiful, you know, congratulatory mail and hate mail. And I realized that, you know, when you have the ability to have presence, not everybody's going to accept you for what they have. Some people are haters, some people are lovers, some people are, are admirers, but at the end of the day, I didn't ask for this to happen to me. I kind of, this is a career path I took, and I worked very hard to get there, but, you know, I really felt guilty about it at the end of the day, and it kind of probably made me step back a few steps in business, uh, saying that I don't trust this, this whole process. And I think that's part of selling papers and media you know it's about selling articles and i'm a totally believer in in making money but at the same time you sometimes say statements that might hurt the people that are associated with it so i think there has to be a bit of caution but at the end of the day 
no one really has caution in industry because as we see, it's all about, you know, profits and bottom lines and how's their quarter going to be and what their stock price is going to be and how they're going to move forward. And I do believe in the entrepreneurial spirit, but at the same time, there has to be a social conscience. And uh, what I think music does, and I think what you do here now, is balance that, is you balance the social conscience about you know, yeah, it's great, you know, it's great to do this, but is that really the way you want to live your life? You know, like there's a lot of things that might be, you know, negative to a human being in their long-term benefit. And we've seen lots of suicides, we've seen lots of fentanyl deaths, yet, you know, we haven't had, you know, an aggressive program to really combat the Oxycontin and all the different uh, doctors that have to subscribe this. I understand that it has a certain effect, but you know, you know, I'm a big fan of mental health because myself having gone through a death in my life, uh, I was on, and I'm very open to say this on antidepressants and I have been, and I stepped off it and it got worse because once you step off it, you go down a rabbit hole and that's even worse. Uh, so I went back to the place I was and I became more involved in the process because I think what's more important about people is the people. You have to understand, we all have issues. There's not a single person that doesn't have an issue. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have to have respect and you have to have the understanding that, you know, everyone has feeling. And if you don't want to go down this path, then don't do it. But just be transparent about it. So if you want to take the cause take the cost. So I really believe that there's been some great cause. Sheldon Kennedy, who was abused as a, as a hockey player as a young age, was really the foremost person to step out there and talk about this in youth. And, you know, there's been now since then, this Me Too movement talks more about it. But the original Me Too movement was, you know, girls and guys, whether it be in the gymnastic world or the hockey world, you know, you didn't say this. Even if you talk to your parents, they say, don't say it. So I think that it's really a revelation that, you know, we actually have the ability now to talk openly about it and to cure the harms that, you know, have long-term scars on people. And, uh, and I hope that changes for the better. So that's why I'm a big proponent of mental health, I'm a big proponent of saying that, you know, it is what it is. There's lots of people that I've known in my life, very famous people that have gone through this. And they talk openly about it. And I think that the media and the people that really want to make a difference in life, you only can do it in one way, but just telling the truth. It is what it is, you know? And I think that, uh, you know, when we look at, you know, some of the issues in my life, you know, and I've had ups and downs in my life, uh, but everyone looks at my life and say, man, I want to be you. And I go, be careful with you, sure, it might be true. And I think that, you know, when you look at what you try to do and what you can do has to be balanced between, you know, what your expectation is. And I have lots of artist friends and being involved with the Alma Combo, I talk about this all the time. The almighty dollar tends to drive the bus, you know. How much will you pay for this band? How much will you pay for here? How much will you pay for this contract? But, you know, you know, as we saw with some of the most incredible bands in the world, whether it be Elvis Presley or the Beatles or John Lennon, you know, I told the story today to somebody. I said John Lennon's album, when he came up, you look at the documentary about John and Yoko, uh, his A-side a was kind of not really accepted by the uh, 
masses. by the masses or, or, <laughs> or even by the producers. They looked at it and go, so he flipped it by the B-side and the first album he came out, he had to imagine. And that song is now historically ingrained. But his best album as a solo artist came prior to his death, Double Fantasy, which talked about himself really stepping out of the, the focus. And I've had the luxury to deal with people like Paul James and Ronnie Hawkins and to hear their story over 60 years. And, you know, how do you get 60 years of experience? 60 years. So I find that, you know, at 57 now, I'm actually getting smart about this shit, you know? And it's very difficult because, you know, people, you know, you guys are in your 20s and uh, I respect you guys fully for doing what you're doing because you're doing something creative. Uh, but, you know, you're going to go on a path of learning as well. And but at least you're pushing the envelope to be there and to be a voice. And I think that's very important. That was, a, that was a lot. That was good. Yeah, that was, I hope that was, that was good. a lot. <laughs> a lot. We're learning out honestly. That was a good one. Yeah. It, it, it was an honest statement. Oh, you know, no, I kind of no. took it down for the path. Oh, you know, no, I love it because you touch on so many true parts. And a lot of times with mental health, people don't, you know, you, you said you struggled and people wish, oh, I wish I was you. Sometimes be careful what you wish for. Yeah. But then also on the other side too, the, the support that comes with it is, is so important, right? It, it really is, you know, and you, you have to kind of assume yourself. So I, I got the luxury to deal with people with Doctors Without Borders and I hear their stories. I go, man, my life is simple. Or I deal with people that are in different environments and in addiction and in dealing with people that, you know, have, have to do with suicide prevention, especially in this pandemic, you know. You know, the one biggest issue I find that, you know, we don't associate with is that we as humans need to associate with people. And there is no concern that people have to understand that we need to have a culture and not a culture that is negative, but we have to get together. Yes, I totally agree with the safety and the efficacy of the pandemic. We cannot spread this pandemic as dangerous. But that being said, you know, we also have to have availability of process that we can actually connect with each other, whether through social media, but not negatively, not I like this, I like that. So we elevate somebody for putting a TikTok video, out, which is not a bad thing. You know, I'm not criticizing it. What I'm saying is that, you know, we have to look at the fact that we want to elevate everyone and not de-elevate people. We're not bullies. You know, we got to do that. You know, I say as Canadians, we don't step on uh, ants and, and, and we, we don't step on cracks in the road. You know, we're, we're very simple people. You know, we, we apologize for, for, for closing the door on somebody, you know? <laughs> well, you want everybody together, right? You don't want to have that. Like, it seems like everything online now is unhealthy or it's a, it's a zero sum game. Everyone thinks like, like for me to get famous, someone else can. Like I need all the attention. I need the likes. I need to do this. Exactly. I got to put you down so I can feel good. Well, we need to bring people back to the middle more and have, have healthy conversations. Yeah, I think that's it, you know, and I think that endorsement of positivity has gone behind us because now we're trying to figure out, you know, if someone is going to sit there on their head and go do take a skateboard and fall off and, and people make fun of them, is going to get 10,000 likes or whatever it may be. To me, that, you know, is not really what we're about anymore. I think that what we have to do is, you know, illustrate that, 
person in the room like yourselves who are doing a podcast or someone's doing a music video and they're doing it on their own based upon this little small studio that we're sitting in here today not to be disrespectful <laughs> no, no, very we love the vibe it. is fucking cool uh, it is Jordan, cue cool. that part up <laughs> eh? the vibe is fucking cool well, yeah the vibe is fucking cool with the with the signs and it feels real it feels like i'm authentic here and, you know, as not to say that, you know, people, because we're not sitting in a glitzy office where, where it's all make-believe, you know, we're not doing something that, you know, is, is, is bells and whistle where it's been broadcast on a different day and, and, and we can take videos from some unknown person from other parts of the world to superimpose on us. This is who we are and who, where we are. And I think that that's the most, the most important people. But this is something that you could demonstrate to everybody that they can do themselves and they could show their own personality. Like I said, you know, I've got a beautiful family, but I, again, have to spend my time to make sure that I encourage them to do what they want to do. There's not a lot of opportunity right now. Uh, because of COVID, people are out of school, they're sitting at home, they're working on isolation as education, and it's a difficult place to be. We're not used to that. Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to the point you made there too about like the, the authenticity and all that stuff and you know just being real and doing it for the right reasons. It goes back to the point I think you made earlier at the beginning um, that you, you know back when you're younger days when you said about when you learned about being content, being happy, you know, being happy with what you have, being content, not just you know, how can I get the next boat, the next car, more fame, more fortune? It's, it's doing things for the right reasons that are authentic to yourself, true to yourself. And if you do that, people notice that. And then they, and then it continues. Like they see, oh, this person's genuine. They're doing it for the right reasons. They're not doing it just to be famous or just yeah, be rich. But, but and you then know, sometimes you fluke out to get famous. So I'll give you a story. When I was in, I think I was 15 at the time. I was the hostess with the mostest. You know, <laughs> I was a crock and block host, which became part of the keg. And I was sitting there, and at that time, it was at Shepherd Center, which is where the area I grew up in, at Young and Shepherd, you know, as a young kid. And I had one suit from Big Steel, so, you know, I go there Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the age of 15, and it was a lot easier than being a busboy, which I was at 12, so I said, shit, man, this is a way easier job. I get tips, I get money, I wear a suit, I got, all I have to do is say, enjoy your meal. Waiter, uh, busboy, bring them water. <laughs> enjoy your meal. And one day, I was sitting at front, and it was a downstairs location, so you had to walk down the stairway, and this guy robbed the place. And he comes in with a gun. I don't know what kind of gun it was, because I'm not a gun guy. And I'm sitting there, and he goes, give me all your money. And I go, dude, I got menus and mints. <laughs> the, the cash registers at the back of the bar. Nothing is worse than a dumb criminal, okay? Nothing is worse. So this guy is like freaking out, saying, I want your money. He goes, what do you have in your pocket? I go, dude, I'm 15. I got two players light cigarettes in my pocket. <laughs> he goes, give them to me. I go, fuck off. And he runs off. Come on. True story. As God is my witness, it's a true story. Throw the fuck off. I go, fuck off. Just because, you know, as a kid, when yeah. you, like, you know, I, I in high it. school, give me a second, fuck, fuck off. I don't have that. You don't I, fuck off. I because, because, you know, you got to pay for it. Hello. <laughs> you know, I said, people that smoke other people's cigarettes are not really in my high fucking grade, you know? <laughs> Uh, just being said, I shouldn't smoke, but that's what I do. Uh, but that being said, you know, when I when I looked at that conversation, there was a lady that was a waitress there that was freaking the fuck out, going, "Oh, I can't believe! It. Oh my god, I can't believe!" It. And I became a hero, a hero of this restaurant, and I was 
like unreproachable. Like I could do whatever I want. I could have ice cream Sundays twenty four seven. You know, <laughs> I mean, because kid, I saved. Thought about, I eh? saved the no. It was total fluke. I didn't really do anything. He ran out on his own accord, and I and for me, I just acted the way I did as I would in high school or whatever it was yeah, at the time. So I was self. a fifteen year old kid, you know. And uh, but what I remember about that it was that, you know, what they saw, and my story that came after the fact kept growing so next thing you know i chased him out of there i was the man who disarmed him i didn't do any of that i just said fuck off and he ran away but the story became bigger than life over the next year and you know needless to say i i i went on to bigger pastures with exchange but you know for that short period of time in my life i was a hero and it felt really good. So I started believing in myself and I started believing the bullshit, you know? Yes, I did do that, you know? <laughs> but I didn't, you know? It was just like, it was, it was just like me and you sitting here going, hey, man, give me your shirt. Fuck off. You know? Okay. <laughs> you run run out. Yeah, that's it, you know? And uh, I feel for the guy. He was probably a desperate person at the time, but, you know, it, it just didn't affect me at the time. And maybe I was stupid. Maybe it was, but I said, dude, I got mints. And menus. That's all I have. Pick your choice. All right. so you take all the mints he wants and just get out of there. God bless you. <laughs> when did uh, so tell me where did you go from? I guess this fifteen-year-old macho bus boy to where you are now. How did it start? You, you know, know, you talked uh, about my, this haircut. You know, story, I, I tried to be a musician and I was never that good. You know, uh, what was your inst- what was your? Uh, I'm a guitar player and a singer. You know. Okay. Lead man, no we, should, we should bring a guitar here. Right? So when we have someone who plays, hey. ain't no life when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone, and she's always gone too long. Anytime, I know, I know, I know, I know. You gotta help me sing here, guys. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say, don't leave that world <laughs> But no, it's it's very true. You know, I we're gonna see you on the stage at Elmo Combo soon. Oh, uh, you know, I finally, you know, I tried to play the Elmo Combo for so many years. I played the hideout with my friend. Clifton a few people I never made a penny and I finally played the Elma combo but this is my musician joke I just had to buy it first (laughs) so after I bought it when I closed the deal with the Elma combo I had my mom God bless her because she passed away last year Um, and uh, I had all my family there Carly and everyone else there and we all were there I had open bar so it's easy to get crowds when it's free beer and and it was it was you know one of my you know, bucket list things, you know, and, you know, because I was never qualified to be that character, <laughs> you know, I finally played what I would say is the legendary Elma combo, but I did have to buy it first. True story. What, it's what, an expensive uh, karaoke day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it got more expensive as we went forward. <laughs> well, we're we're going to get would it. That. Uh, would your 15 year old self have been like thinking right now? You know, he was the hero then get chasing no, the guy the restaurant. But no. when you're 15, would that, would that have been a dream to play the... The Elma Combo back then? No, because, you know, I never would have thought I could have, you know. And again, you know, I was, I was the son of an immigrant family. And, 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 you know, my dad spoke five languages. Unfortunately, his lesser language was English. You know, you, any, sorry, what's your background? So my dad is Hungarian, German, and uh, my mom is Austrian. But my dad spoke mainly like he had a syrup company. My mom was a teacher for 60 years at Michael Power High School, St. Joseph High School, wow. a Catholic Total high school. Cool. Yeah, so she took care of the whole family. She was the matriarch. She's the love of my life. And uh, I really am a mama's boy, and I totally admit to that. Same here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out, Elaine. Shout out to yeah, Anastasia. Yeah, yeah. shout yeah. out, Elaine. <laughs> 
Shout, shout out the moms. We, we got a lot of moms that yeah, listen. Yeah, shout out, mom. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but continue. it's true. You know, we all, you know, at some point in time in our life when things go shit, we all kind of cut off, mama, I love you. <laughs> and on this set, dearly, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, fortunately enough, I'm now, I'd have changed my life where I'm now going to see my children have grandchildren and, and uh, you know, I look forward to that in the next stage of my life. Gonna be Grandpa Wex soon. Yeah, that sounds awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling old as it is, you know? <laughs> I said my chest hairs are turning gray. This is awkward. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's start talking about Omicombo. Obviously, sure. we, we all know what it is. We know it's, you know, one of the most legendary venues in the city of Toronto. Yeah, love you live, and, Roy and Stones. Yeah, I, I've heard the story about how you kind of bought it last minute, but... Tell us the real story. You know, like, did you really just come in there on the ninth hour? It's the eleventh hour. The eleventh. You know, it's the ninth hour today. <laughs> yeah, you no, came in at the eleventh hour, I, just I, bought it. One hundred percent. So is that what, a, that's the real story? Yeah. So I was in London, England, and my driver, who now drives a bunch of Toronto Maple Leaf players, mm -hmm. named by the name of Rocket. So Rocket was my driver. And, Rocket. Yeah. Rocket. What a great name. Yeah. Rocket. So for a driver. Yeah. Did he drive Rocket. fast? No, he actually was just very good. He's Rocket's a cool dude, man. He was a big bouncer back in the day at the CNE, so I knew him from the CNE days. So Rocket created his own kind of legacy. Uh, I can't say who he drives for, but you know, you think of the top players for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's who he drives for, and he's a really cool dude. And 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 so he started driving for me when I started on Dragons Den, and I said because they paid for a driver. And I said, okay, cool. You know, I got to get there back and forth, and I'll be there. Um, so I ended up doing that and we're driving back and I had to be in London for a transaction. As I flew back, he picked me up at the airport. I had to go back to my house in Forest Hill and get showered. As I shower and get back in the car, we're driving down Spadina and we hear on Q107 that the Elm Combo sign is for sale. So I go, fuck, we're on Spadina. I go, let's pull in. <laughs> so we go there and we pull in front and there's nothing there. So he goes, <clears throat> Weck, let me call. You know, the owner. I know him very well. And uh, I go, okay, man, you know, let's see what happens here. So he calls over and uh, we have a discussion and we meet the next day. And, you know, I sit there and it's 11 o'clock in the morning and I look over and I go, okay, you know, Mr. Grosso, Sam Grosso. I go, uh, what do you want? He goes, well, I'm screwed. He goes, uh, the place has been sold to a computer company and my partner who was my real estate partner was also my lender through his family and I can't make a penny if I don't sell it over X amount of dollars. And I go, well, what's that number? He goes, well, we sold it for 3.5, but everything over 3.5, I at least to get back to myself and I can't, and I'm taking my kids out of private school because he lives out in the country. So he's, he's a great dude, Sammy. And I go, well, what do you need? He goes, well, if you give me 3.7, 3.9, you know, I'm in. I go, pop a beer. And I go, all right. I'll a pay nice a Kingsville brewery. Yeah, I go, I'll pay. What, what's our recommendation here we right now? Kingsville. Kingsville Brewery. If you don't drink it, I do. Why not you? <laughs> like That's that. Great. We drink it. Why not you? <laughs> That's a great slogan. You might have to charge them for that. You have to copyright right. that. You tell them to compensate us, uh, right? Alyssa, now. Alyssa, we'll do a three-pack, okay? That's a great slogan. Hey, Kingsville, we drink it. Why not you? All right. <laughs> That's a great one. That's easy. <laughs> the pals drink it. How about you? So but, you crack uh, a beer, yeah? Yeah, so I go there, and I pop a beer, and I go, 
you know, and I, I, I fortunately at that time, because I'm a very manic guy, I made a bunch of money that week. You know, I had a good trade in the market and, and I made some money. So I felt kind of rich, you know, and uh, that's the way stockbroker people are. We're either up on top and buying Lamborghinis or we're canceling our cell phones, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, taking the street yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, taking the street car. Like, either here or here. <laughs> there's no in between. You know, and there's no in between. And so I was at the top place. And I go, man, dude, man, El Macabre, I'm in. So I came in and I stopped the transaction two days before it ended. And I paid, I said, okay, I'll pay at 3.8. And I ended up paying $4 million at the end of the day because yeah. I had to delay and do some transactions <laughs> and go through legals and all the people. But it worked out quite well. And Sam and to me this day are very, very good friends. His wife was very thankful for the fact that you know, I took a bad situation. It's not a lot of money, I guess, in the larger sense of life, but it gave him the ability to get out with dignity, get out with, you know, ability to say that my legacy of what I've tried to do for the music industry was not there. So then for the next six years, I endure this legacy. And $40 million later, here I am, which I overpaid by 20. There's no doubt, but I made it the best facility. We got a recording facility. I had to spend three years hand digging out the basement, going down 10 feet, because I didn't want to change the uh, original outset. You know, I want to keep it the original Elma Combo. You know, I found bullets in the basement. I found, you know, bottles from the 1800s. Uh, you know, I found crazy stuff that I got memorabilia. But we dug it down 10, 12 feet and then brought it back up and repinned it. But, you know, like here you had to do it by hand. There was no, because we didn't take the building down, we had to do it that way. So it was totally cost inefficient. Uh, but I ended up doing it and building two isolated floating floors with dampeners and completely sound studio where there's no uh, <clears throat> transference of, of, of sound. So I could have Metallica play on the main floor and Joan Baez or Diane Krall playing on the top floor. You won't hear anything. Wow. And, there, and we have three isolated areas the first floor, the second floor, and the green room that we can film form in 4K going to 8K. We have a 5G format. We have the same uh, technology going to Robert Street, which was installed by Bell. Thank you, Randy Lennox. And uh, and I think that, you know, we've accomplished something that no one else has. We put, you know, from a place that had the shittiest bathrooms on the planet because it was hooked up to sewer system, we put in t 28 bathrooms on the one level and four on the other level. So, you know, we've completely redefined what music could be. Unfortunately, we couldn't open. But, uh, yeah, you know, I probably overspent by 10 million of mistakes. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but realistically, if I had to take the mistakes out of there, and so the rips I got, you know, rips we call that by rip-offs. Uh, <laughs> I like that. So I got some rips, but, uh, you know, let's call it, you know, back end, you know, worst case is $30 million. And then I look at some of the facilities around the world, like the Colorado Springs facility by uh, AEG. It cost them $32 million U.S., so... I'm not that far off, and I got the best equipment. I have to commend Solotech. I have to commend some of the people like RPM Lights and Laundry uh, Design. You know, like we've had so many cool people that really believed in the Elma Combo and believed in the, in the longevity of a 70-year-old brand that they really went to bat for me. So I was able to sustain it. Because I owned the property, I didn't lose it. And... You know, it's been a difficult year. Like last year, it cost me two and a half million dollars, not just in lost revenue, it was just in, you know, payments and everything yeah. else I had to improve upon. So Jeez. it's been a difficult time. I, 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 won't, I won't lie to you. 
But you know what? I know a lot of people, especially in the music scene, really, you know, credit you for saving that because it is arguably the most historic venue in Toronto for the music scene. Oh, for sure. You know, you two played their first show there back in 1980 in March. And it was the first show they ever played in North America. Not let's say Canada, but North America. The first show that you two played, they got paid $500. And I saw my pay way more than that. (laughs) <laughs> but they did give me a shout out at the ACC when they played last year. The Rolling Stones, of course, recorded Love You Live. That was, no, the, cockroach. was that the Cockroach was that, show? That's exactly right. Yeah. I'm going to send you one of those shirts for you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be very cool. And I'm doing some cool hockey shirts. You know, I'm do some good crap, man. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when you look at the people that play there, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Blondie, uh, Duran Duran, who's want to come back and play there. Uh, George Thurgood, who's coming back to play there. Uh, Ronnie Hawkins, who's had the most distinguished career of playing Toronto downtown. And when I went with Ronnie Hawkins, who I know very well, and Paul James, which I took him up there, Paul James, uh, man, you know what? One of the coolest things is that I'm with the guy that owns the Elma Combo, but more importantly, I'm with Ronnie Hawkins, who is the Elma Combo, because how long he's played there. So what people that don't understand of your generation is what was the fabric of Toronto? It was the Isabella. It was the Gasworks. It was the Blue Room. It's all these great clubs. And it's unfortunate because you didn't have the luxury to benefit from it. You know, yeah, there's clubs and this, but the live music scene has really gone the wayside. So, you know, from my standpoint, I think it's about, you know, bringing back the artist and, you know, it's not bringing back the artist to go to video or to go to... uh you know, record is bringing back the artist to go to live to where you're relevant. It's nothing cooler than having your high school band become successful like USS is and then playing for the group that say, man, we grew up with these guys. And yeah. I think that's kind of part of the mystique of it. You know, there wasn't a time where in Boston that Aerosmith and Boston were not a big part of it. There wasn't a time where, in, you know, Seattle where Nirvana wasn't a part of it. And those are things that, you know, really gravitate towards, yeah. I think, integrity of music. You know, I do believe in music. I do believe in the longevity of it. And I think that the culture, whether it be in, you know, rock and roll or in uh, Hispanic music or in uh, opera opera music or like, I'm a big fan of opera Italia or in reggae or in hip hop or in any genre that exists out there, you know, you know, my girlfriend is, is Cuban and, and she's a big fan of reggaeton. And she's introduced me to some people that I think are going to be great. Is Toronto ready for reggaeton? I say yes. You know, and when you get... Well, you Sean know, Paul lives here. I didn't yes, know that. I, I didn't know that. Sean Paul lives in Toronto. Is he Canadian? No, I don't think so. But he lives in Toronto. Someone told me that the other day. Wow. Sean Paul. Like I was like, no, okay, okay, I was yeah, like, yeah, give me the light, okay. like no, give no, me the light, Sean no, no. Paul. Though, I'm gonna say Sean Paul is it the real Sean Paul? Because it's like Bill Smith lives in Toronto, and if I go look at the phone, no, I, I'm almost, I'm almost <laughs> Jay, Jay, see if you Sean Paul, that. if you're listening to this show, you Jay. come and get your country ass the other combo. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, see if Sean Paul lives in Toronto. Sean, hey, someone told me well, that the other day. Why you looking that up though? The uh, the thing you were saying on that topic of like. At least for what it feels like, as someone who grew up in music and and had a big passion for it, I've traveled quite a bit, and every country I've been to, every city I've been to, has like a historic club or a, right. you know a jazz bar, a concert hall, and it's not like a concert hall, like an Air Canada Center concert venue. It's right. like you walk in and it smells like old. It just smells old. You yeah. smell the asbestos in the ceiling. Yeah. 
And there's nowhere like that. It feels like Toronto now, you know, I love this city. It's amazing. But like the heritage aspect and the culture we aspect, away from it, we want to, you know, we want to keep the facade to build a condo above it. That's right. And it's like the the history the there is The silver dollar is exactly that, you know, and I, I respect the Wise Brothers. But at the same time, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the same to have Hughes Room goes down or Rivoli goes down or the Obert Room goes down or the Mod Club goes down. You know, and there's one after another. And I look at Zeke at the Phoenix and all these people. You know, that's the things that we really, you know, it's going in there. And you don't have to be, you know, Charles Caboose has done an incredible job to create an environment. Yet he's been, you know, sanctioned because of the environment that he can't do what he does. You know, God bless, you know, the Liberty Group and Charles Caboose that they can live and survive because without them, we don't have a culture here. We actually, we're good friends with Nick's. He's no? not in Toronto. I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check that later. But what's that? Um, Sean Paul it doesn't, look like doesn't look like he's in Toronto. But someone told me, so I'm gonna I'll double check that later. But uh, Nick DiDonato's son Justin, we grew up. Yeah. Oh, I grew up with him uh, at St. Mike's, and then George met him mm-hmm. after. I would so, just make one for a year. Burn. I would just say Meg's father Zinger. Father Zinger, yeah. Remember that in the main floor? Yeah, yeah. And he I had loved his room him. I thought he was the biggest weirdo at first. He's passed away since then. I grew to love him. He was the coolest dude. He's I, one of those guys you don't like while you're there, but once you graduate, you appreciate him. Yeah, it's it's, it's a weird thing. I, I I totally get it. You know, and when I met him, and like I said, all right, here I fucking, because he was right in the, where the lockers were, you know? Um, and he has room all decorated. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and I go, that was his room. Oh. And I was a rebel, you know. I was only there for grade nine, but, you know, but at St. Mike's, that was the place as, you know, you want to go there. I thought it would be a hockey player. When I went there, I didn't Me have too. pubic hair. And, and, and the guys <laughs> in the dressing room had beards, right? I go, oh, man, this is not going to look good for me, man. Like, <laughs> how could this guy be my age? He's 400 pounds, six foot 17. Needless to say, I got cut in the first fucking practice. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was a history player, you know? But, yeah, that's what it was. But, you know, Father Zinger, God bless him. He was one of the coolest dudes I ever met in my life. And I didn't realize it at first but i do realize it now as you said yeah and you know what um i want, I want to go back to the the musicians and the the venues because like you said a lot of the good venues are shutting down but you know people like charles people like nick are, are still yeah great keeping people. these keeping these venues around man they're, but, they're surviving yeah my question to you is outside of the elma combo what's your favorite venue in the city for live music and outside of live music my best live music venue was the arbit room to tell you the truth and i'd like to see those guys survive um, as far as a venue where I would like to go to where I feel comfortable, it would be uh, Harbor 60 only because I like sports. I like the fact to do things. But Ted Nikolai. Shout out to it, Ted Nikolai, my Greek buddy. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, I love Ted. He's the best. There's not many better than Ted. No, he's a stand-up Ted guy. Ted Nikolai is, you know, he gave me this. When my wife passed away, he took this off his neck. This is the Greek Orthodox. Uh, Come on. Yeah, he took it off uh, his neck. Uh, and and it's platinum. He goes, you know, it looks. He goes, never lose it. And I thought I lost it once. And he said, no worry, you'll find it. I spent months looking through my Florida place to find it, which I finally did. But Ted Nikolai was really the saving grace for me in my trials and tribulations that I went through uh, when I went through it. So I call Ted my godfather. And he really is a unique person. So if I had to say a place that I love dearly, if I had to go to a place in Toronto, it would be uh, Harbor 60. 
He's a really respected guy, and a lot of people that, from what I've seen, my uh, my father's actually very uh, good friends with him as well. And yeah. he, when you're, whenever you go in there, he treats. It doesn't matter who you are. You can no. be a janitor or the, or the the CEO of, the, of a Fortune he, company. He's, he's the king. Treats you, you know? treats you like you're the your gold. But when you go there, you can sit outside at the fireplace. You can go upstairs the bar. Everything he does is first class, and I think that you know he's a family guy. I love him dearly, but he makes everyone feel comfortable, and. Regardless of your foodie characteristic, there's not a better food restaurant. If you want steak, it's by far the best place. And I apologize to all the people that I go to that don't have it. But Ted is the best steakhouse. There's no doubt. But That's also, it, Ace. Eh? This is the staple moment. Michael yeah. Weckerly's Harbor 60. Best that's, steak that's in the city. Best in the city, man. That's my place. That's it. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what bothers me right now, especially with COVID, is they... they uh, adopted or sorry adapted to all the rules that needed to get made for covid they spent all this money setting up the tents doing everything by the book oh my so god their tent, is so, their tent is did you massive. see that tent oh my god no, that's great it's it's amazing. Amazing. inside we, we can all agree <laughs> there's chandeliers it's crazy we can all agree it that it's sick. there's a grass floor <laughs> oh i know it's great. it was the best ever i took jazzy there with me and we were blown away and we had people coming to our table encroaching us and i just said okay I'll pay for it yeah. because I had such a good time there. Oh, I didn't care. They should, should keep it. But that's, but that, that's the problem. Sorry, go ahead. I yeah. But then they say. changed over. And that was done in a very short period of time in a parking lot. What a cool dude that guy is. And he put his money up and they pulled it on the rug at him. Yeah. So that's a little shame exactly, on you guys. That's exactly what I'm saying. Think about that. As a business owner, you play by the rules. You do something that people love and you do it to the absolute best. Yeah. You do it like New York style, Miami style, Las Vegas style, which Toronto has not seen. We don't see that very often, that type of hospitality and that type of venue. And then, boom, gone. Can't do it anymore. Under you, yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's shit like that. sad. I totally agree, Ricky, man. I, I, yeah, again, I'm, I love going out. I'm a very social person. I love dinners. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love, I love dinners. I love sporting events. I love going out with my Shocker. boys for drinks. I love doing, doing things. Dude, remember, I saw you 10 years ago. Now, I'm going to have to do a commercial break here and say, on behalf of Blank Slate, well, this stuff is cool shit and you got to have this and I'm going to take a bathroom break. Uh, and I'm going to say that this here is the heart health of products out here. And I want to recommend right now to everybody here that they take a hand of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This just shake says it all. <laughs> I love hey, it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it rolling while you. We'll, while we'll you. go. We'll go. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we got you. You know what it is. Um, but no, this, do you know what? Again, and I, we're going to. I'm, this is what I love about the podcast, and I'm going to pump our, our own tires on this. Let's go. We get to have some of the best and coolest conversations ever. Yeah. Like, I've, I've met Mike before, and shout out Carly. I know you're here. We love you. We appreciate you setting this up. You and your sister are both awesome, and I'm so glad you guys set this up because we are so fortunate and lucky to be able to sit down with such cool, amazing people on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, without the podcast, we don't get to talk to these people in the same setting, in the same sense where you have their full undivided attention for an hour to two hours. And you hear the stories like, you know, when we know Weck, like, I mean, you know him from way back. Obviously, we see, you know, you see him on TV, all that kind of stuff. And you know him from passing in, in business circles and all that. But like, you don't get to hear these kind of funny stories. No, and that's what it is, right? Like, It's the authenticity. It, honestly. The name of the game. 
I, I love this and you know this is a good time even shout out to our sponsors on this episode kingsville brewery you guys are awesome blank slate shout out to you flow water everybody else yeah, kingsville hey and if anyone noticed no one's probably right, no one's whoever's watching the youtube uh this sick red fridge we got next to us Pop it open. Grab a nice Kingsville cold brew. That was there you go. That was the freezer. That was the freezer. <laughs> Sorry, I keep them extra cold in there. But yeah, um, so this we just actually want- Kingsville. Thank you guys so much. This is super convenient. I don't have to get up and get drinks anymore. This is gonna be super nice. Yeah, I got rid of the recording aspect. Jordan, thank you for that. Taking on that stuff. So now I can just serve beers. Unreal. Kingsville, you're the best. Do you know uh, what? <laughs> what was like slogan <laughs> if we're drinking it why aren't yeah. you <laughs> kingsville we're drinking it so are you i, I love that no but honestly we also love and we were talking about this AJ. off air uh the importance of supporting local canadian brands um if you are listening to this right now if you can support local brands definitely do it carly what's the one that your dad was talking about earlier just yeah pour it in the We'll, we'll get it while, while you're looking up. Um, all of our sponsors, I'd like to mention all of our sponsors. Every single one we've had uh, has been a Canadian brand or a Canadian company. So it's very <laughs> important to support local. Kingsville Brewery, uh, Kingsville is a product of Canada. Cottage Springs is uh, made in Canada. Flow Water. Check Live this and Let Rock. Live and Let Rock. Big shout out to them. I know, Mike, you're Live a big Live and fan. Let Rock. <laughs> we love it. You know, here, here, here's Live and Let Rock. It's right here now. And I want to show this to you because it's a local uh, artesian uh, who did these Elma Combo uh, flags, you know, for your lapel. And I'm really a big believer in supporting local artists, as is my friends here. And they take local product and they try to do it and they try to promote it, which is what else can we do is to support each other. It's a communal network. And we have to actually understand one thing is that one plus one, if it equals three, you've won the game. <laughs> hey, I love that. Cheers. I cheers. love that. Yeah, cheers. And I love that, the, the pin. The, yeah, oh, we got we to gotta get our hands on I'll be getting you there. It only cost, it only cost you $4.95. Hey, you got well, it. That's it. That's well, it? That's a well, steal. Our cost is a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we'll, we'll hey, make sure we share man. the link. Yeah, don't worry. You can charge me overpriced beer, too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll well, buy it. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, oh, I don't even remember where we were. So, uh, yeah, let's go on. Yeah, so, uh, Elma Combo, uh, we're going to have some great shows coming about, yeah. up. Uh, we have some anniversary shows, and I'm probably premature in saying it, but we have the greatness of the Heritage Acts of Gordon Lightfoot. We have wow. the unique acts of a new album coming from the USS. We have some really cool shows coming up from Matt Dusk and Holly Cole, and the jazz trio that she has. And, and, and I really believe that these are the up-and-coming, really cool Canadian acts. We try to focus on Canada. We have a, a great new repertoire, including Danny Fernandez from the past, with Sean Desmond doing a... Uh, a movie at the Elma Combo, so I'm really looking forward to that and seeing that production. Uh, I'm looking forward to Andre Papatez of the Giants, which is another indie band. And, of course, you know, Raquel Weckerly, which I call my daughter, <laughs> and uh, she's great, and Nate uh, Davio and uh, uh, some really cool acts that are coming up and, and, and coming up with David Morrison. These are kids that, you know, just want to make it, you know, so we're promoting them. We're paying for their production and we want to, you know, try to sit there and do two things. One is to make sure that we provide great music to Canada, whether it be George Thorogood, Duran Duran, U2, uh, hopefully the Foo Fighters uh, and, you know, Neil, uh, you know, once the traffic comes, you know, 
you know, Vince Neal's going to come in with, you know, Motley because cool, because yeah. Motley crew has a contract with Live Nation and they're our friends, but, you know, they have radius clauses, so we have to be constant about that. You know, we're a 500-seat venue, you know, and two floors, so let's call it 1,000, but, you know, we don't want to... We, we want to be the artistic group, not the, you know, what I call the big box group. You know, there's going to be lots of places <laughs> that have more space than we have. But, you know, we're hopefully to actually create this really cool streaming library and create Elma Combo TV. And Elma Combo TV is going to be something that, you know, when you're sitting there and you want to go to bed and you want to watch any genre, it's just kind of that background music and background coolness that you can see stories about people and their lives, you know. And, and I'm hopefully to create that because that's kind of what I like to do, you know. I like to watch TV and you know, I'm kind of a creature of habit and I like to kind of have that background music where I might wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, have a whatever, you know, uh, chocolate milk. And, uh, <laughs> a Twix a bar. Pop. <laughs> and, and just sit there and just, you know, because your mind is so active, you know, our anxiety level as human beings is difficult. You know, we, we go up and down on the uh, elevator and, you know, it's very difficult to create a business, especially out of this press and 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 pressure that we have. You know, so you got to be able to have a release. And sometimes it's in the middle of the night; you can't really pick those times. But at three in the morning, just to sit there and and see a show by, you know, uh, for lack of a better person, right now, Our Lady Peace, who are friends of mine, and come with a new song and just go, "Hey, man." that brings me back to a point where I like, you know, and we all have our own music genres, but you know, it's that sense of music that drives people together to feel that they're connected. And it feels that, you know, it gives them the strength to move forward in their own business, whatever that business is, because it's a difficult challenge. You know, life is not easy. You know, if it was easy, you know, we'd be sitting here on a beach, you know, you know, flipping fucking tiddly coins, you know? <laughs> Hundred percent. I agree. It's not. It's an uphill battle the whole way. It is. You know your battle. You know, but you know, I'm very proud of you guys. Like, look at like this is a great testament to have your signing wall, the sponsorship that you have. You are a Canadian story, and I'm very proud of what you've done. I don't know your success at this point in time, but I'll tell you, I'm very comfortable to be a part of your show. I'm very comfortable to say thank you very much for having me here. Of course. I this is going to be our Thank biggest you. episode. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> We're going to see that suit on YouTube and it's going viral. <laughs> wow, well, yeah. <laughs> All right. It was that I just wear the Borat outfit, yeah? <laughs> that was Car sent Carly's shaking her head. She's like, no, no, I don't, okay. Dad, don't do it. Dad, don't do it. You did that my birthday when I was eight. Please don't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? Even like telling our friends, like, yeah, we got Mike Weckerly coming. I'm like, how the hell did you do that? We're like, well, you know, obviously we, we know a couple people, but... You know, the fact that it's no, a it's testament a to, to it's who you are, pleasure. right? You you support these, these I don't want to say small local guys, but basically we are. We're no, small local I, I podcasts. You know, because you know what I believe is that, you know, and Ricky, you're a great example of this. And I think that, you know, the fact that you have an association with my daughter, and my daughter said, you remember him, he was there. Now, I'm not going to completely lie to you. I didn't remember <laughs> that time. But but what I do Carly's know is that, that my right? daughter is my love, and... and and it's important to her. So I think that, you know, one life creates another life. So Carly's life gave me the presence to be a part of your life. Your life can be a part of presence to be in your life. And this is how the world goes around. And, you know, we have an essence 
of understanding that, you know, you know, one plus one equals three and we have to coordinate. We have to combat the bullshit of, you know, people that say we can't do it. You're not able to do it. You can't have the production. Yes, we can. We could do it on our own accord. We don't need, you know, a PBS channel. We don't need to have a national broadcast channel. We just got to go there and do it. And now the Elma Combo is a venue and I will have you guys, the Elma Combo, do an introduction of a band there. You tell me the band, you guys are there. That honestly, love that. But that's Honestly. what it's about. It's promotion, you know? Yeah. If we don't promote each other, and whether you promote me, it's okay, but I hope you promote someone that would give you the same benefit that I gave you. So Appreciate it's about, that. you know, pay forward. 100%. No, but we definitely do, and that's, again, we were saying this off air, we get to sit down with so many unique and amazing individuals on this podcast, and a lot of times we don't know who they are, and they reach out, hey, we I've got this new track coming out. Yeah, perfect, let's get them on. And, you know, we've had... PR people and managers reach out to us for artists that are now Grammy or sorry, not Grammy Juno nominated artists, which I'll uh, tell you off the air. We've got four I've artists. Been, I've never nominated for nothing. No, other than a few charges that I totally <laughs> disregard. And it was not my fault. I totally take the back seat. I was not there. I would like to claim the fifth. <laughs> Which I don't know the fifth exists. I think it's a seventh or is it a plea like, the plea fifth? I don't know what it is. You know, I, I just make shit up. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Honestly, you give me so many quotes that I'm gonna use for the rest of my life. Hey, one plus no one is three is my favorite. No, as someone told me, there's no proprietary on good shit. You know, you can all steal it. You know, everyone does it. You know. Yeah. I love that. I and we got Jay in the house. <laughs> Shout out to Jay. Shout out Jay. I wanted to ask what besides uh besides obviously El McCombo being the the number one venue in the city. What's your favorite if you've been to another one anywhere else in the world? Ah, that's just a statement. So I'll say that, you know, there's two things, you know. Uh, number one, I had the most incredible experience at the Greek theater having seen Quadrophenia with Pete Townsend and Billy Idol. And maybe it was the environment. Maybe it was the fact I was with Eddie Kramer. Maybe it was the fact that I was with Pete Townsend. Maybe it was the fact that Billy Idol came up to me and chatted with me with his kids, and he seemed like this coolest dude, where I thought Billy Idol, you have a day for a white wedding. You know, he just seemed like a complete family man, you know? And I looked at myself, I go, you know, pinch yourself. And at the same time, I'm walking down, and this music mogul, falls down on me and and he goes oh, I guess I've been had too much to drink I won't mention his name but he's probably the most relevant music mogul in the 80s uh, 80 years old that ever existed and you know everyone knows his name and I look at him I go hey that you he goes yeah but don't tell anybody and I go don't worry man I'm drilled too and uh, and it was just this really, so we hung out you know, after, and after we were done I never recording, talked to him I never talked to him again no, maybe we'll but I, I promised him I wouldn't but so I can't defy that trust but uh you know after that time I sat with him for like an hour it was the coolest time because he told me these stories of all these bands from Bob Dylan to Janis Joplin to The Doors to you know like, like on and on and on and he was just you know he trusted me and that's why i can't betray his trust but fair, i thought it was the coolest thing is that you know you know how did i get in this position you know i'm a trontonian in california you know in los angeles and it because i caught him falling down a stair because he was drilled 
and you know, and I was drilled because I was there before him, <laughs> getting getting drinks at the bar. You were you falling down the stairs before him. That's no, how you no. I, him. I got the drink at the bar, and I got two drinks. Oh fuck! I you know. <laughs> but he's he's a very legendary guy if you know the music industry. And to to this point, you know, I sometimes meet people that are very high up, and I'm very disappointed with meeting them. And there's other people that are high up that I feel. I'm in grace to meet them like Ronnie Hawkins and uh, Paul James and Chris Christopherson and Gordon Lightfoot where they tell me <laughs> stories. And, and I've had this time and I go, I'm a blessed man. You know, I've had the luxury uh, growing up and every day I find that, you know, I'm a struggle. You know, I don't think as an entrepreneur you ever feel like you get out of this rat race. Mm -hmm. You're always trying to run the race to try to get better. To it, The more better you do, the more you spend. And I just hope that, you know, some of the people I know in life, including yourselves, that we get that point where we say we got equilibrium and we can make it, you know, and we can make it and enjoy our life because, you know, the best thing in my life are my children. And I can say that emphatically. Uh, and, you know, my girlfriend, Jazzy, today, who has really taken me to a point where it's got me stable. You know, I might have been kind of a crazy dude back in my day. And a lot of people know me and... Uh, there's a lot of, you know, I said my, you know, YouTube tells a lot about me, so I can't really argue with that. Some's true, some's not true, and some is make-believe, but I won't tell you which was which, you know. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is, you know. You got you to gotta own up to what you did, both good and bad. And I made some bad decisions in my life, and I regret them. Uh, but at the same time, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet because I've got a very strong family. I got a business career that is still moving forward. I've gone from the brokerage industry to the music industry to the fintech industry to the real estate industry, and I've pivoted. Yet, at 57, I don't know where my next stage is, but, you know, what I do know is that, you know, I believe in, in passing the mantle, and the mantle might be to you or my children or whoever it may be, but I want to invest both emotionally and economically in business that want to do things that are good and want to be there for the right reason. You know, like I said, you know, I've seen lots of business right now and, you know, haven't been a cannabis smoker most of my life. Uh, you know, do I believe that that is an industry that has gone too far and beyond? I'd probably say yes. You know, like, shit, man, half the people that promote it don't even smoke it. Dispensers everywhere now. Yeah, Every and, and half the people that sit there and say they know what they want to do don't participate in the action. So as a, an old friend of mine said to me back from the Apple days, uh, so when an individual was part of the Apple group and uh, the founder of Apple said that, you know, he doesn't do what he sells. If you sell what you do, you got to own what you do and you got to actually do what you do. And I don't know if that makes sense to most people, but I believe that, you know, if you're going to promote something, you got to own it. And if you own this music or you own this show, you own it and you believe in what you do. It's not about just, you know, putting the bullshit out there to say that I'm the guy in the front stage, you know. And I find that in the uh, cannabis area, it's become such a flagrant area of money, creation with people that have no knowledge of really what's going to go on and like in the automotive industry back in the 20s if you go back to the old days of ford 
you know, there are 700 different companies of which five, five survived. So, you know, it's history repeats itself. Of course. And I think that people have to understand that. So you people who are investing in weed stocks, be careful what you wish for. It might come true. But make sure you understand that, you know, what are the fundamental values and make sure you spend your time going through the annual reports, the quarterly reports, and make sure it's a business like anything we do. You know, you don't run your business without understanding the value of what your cost analysis is, what it costs you to produce whack here, you know. <laughs> a couple of coffees. Well, you know, I, I only get two, so that's okay. No, are you kidding? <laughs> this, this, this was a 10-year investment. Hey. Hello. I've been friends with Carly for 10, more than 10. We were friends since, but, what, But that's, that's my point, is that, yeah. you know, having been a investor friendship. for 30, 40 years, is that, you know, I just think that people understand that. Do your due diligence. Do your information. I did my due diligence on you guys. You guys are awesome. I wanted to be here, and I thank you very much for inviting me here. And I want to say... Thank you very much. My daughter, Carly, Jay, you rock. Jazzy, rock on. Love that. That's a a good, that that's a that good. was a great point. I also like, that was a good point to end on, but I got a couple more questions I still want to ask. Like, that was a, like such a good five-minute monologue there. I was like, damn, that was a good ending point. But um, you mentioned something about being like authentic. That was the anticipation, guys. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> now we're in overtime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you talked about being like authentically yourself, right? Yeah. And you obviously like I, a whole theme of this is being authentic and honest and being true to yourself. And I think that's a big part of, you know, how you end up in getting involved in Alma Combo. Yes. And I feel like at least everything I've read and all the stories I've heard over the years that you've always been yourself and you didn't take shit from anybody else. And you don't care what other people think. You're going to be yourself. And my main question is what like the tattoos that you've got. Bay Street was always known as a, you know, clean cut, can't have crazy hair, can't like, tattoos were always not recommended, but you don't give a, an F, you've always just been you. What was that like when you were, I guess, a little bit younger and you're, you know, basically fully tatted? Well, I started this Toronto Stock Exchange with my hair down the middle of my back with a company called Jeffrey LeClaire, and they used to call me Puff, which I fucking hated, and uh, they made fun of me back for the six months it was right did you have, did you have tattoos back then or no? Uh, I had no. I didn't get my tattoo till I was back in my uh, early teens or late, late teens. Let me call that. Okay. So I was eighteen years old and I got my you know, my tattoo probably when I was twenty two. Um, but you know what happened was is that I went there and you know they're all straight laced and they made fun of me. I just get thrown out of bars like thrown through the uh, the, the lattice window at Marta's, you know and. Uh, but I took it through, you know, I had to take the beat down. And I think that in life, when you go into any new environment, you know, you got to stand up to the bullies of the world. So some good people and bad people, you got to dissect through it. But, you know, I had a difficult time the first two years. I was totally unsuccessful. Uh, but then, you know, I used to get, you know, as I tell my friends like Mark Grimes, who's a counselor, he says, you know, he used to get me coffee and uh, bagels and I used to reheat them. And try to go to, in that days, Druxy's was the only bagel place. And I'd go there, please reheat this bagel because I just get 400. And go, please, if you don't do this, I'm going back there and doing it myself. I swear to God, I got to do this because I had no choice. I didn't have money to pay for it. The, the next one right and they would just yell at me because i was too late or it wasn't warming up or whatever it may be and uh and then i just became i got a backbone so i started creating a system where i started making money off these fuckers and uh, and then i started doing it and they got respect for me but it's funny respect comes from people standing up to other people 
And I never knew that. I just did it out of reality because I couldn't afford it anymore. And, uh, you know, out of that became my next career move, which is I went down there and I got to meet people. And I did every course I possibly could do because of the education is the paramount effort of everybody who wants to succeed. If you don't have education, we don't have a society. And I did it after, like I said, you know, I spent a cup of coffee at York University, and I don't think I really had any kind of, you know, acumen in university or definitely in high school. Uh, but what I did do is I realized later on in life that, you know, this is a need to succeed. And I did that as a need to succeed. I had to do it on my own accord to make money and to get my next stage up there. And for that reason, I got hired by First Marathon and Alec Miller, and which I call Barney. And, you know, to this day, I still talk to Bob Disbro and Lawrence Bloomberg and Eric Savix, who's my best friend, you know. And it just, you know, you realize that 30 years later, you know, what you set your essence before continues on so what you do today will matter 25 years later so i'll see you on good morning canada or something like that yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's a good one let's hit the let's hit the questions yeah we uh, got last two that we ask every guest okay go the okay. first one if there brazil. was brazil <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'm a family feud you know <laughs> uh if there was a movie about your life who would you want to star as you could be anyone from any point tom holtz from amadeus <laughs> you know, I don't know who that is. I, so watch Evidence, you'll see that. That's okay. me. That was a quick okay. one. Yeah, you've been asked that before. No. Wow. You just like him. You know. Do you yeah, know? Yeah. I just, it just kind of identify with <laughs> Evidence. Okay. Last question. If you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? If I give some advice, I would say, take life slowly. And understand one thing, you know, the race is not a sprint. It's an endurance marathon where you have to adjust every time. I can't tell you that you're going to get the right answers. But what I can tell you that over time, you know, you're to get the right statement based upon your own internal believing. Believing. I'm a big believer in God. I've become very religious in my latter part of my life. And I do believe that you have to reflect upon what's important to each other. And I'm not trying to enforce my religion on people. What I'm trying to say is that reflect upon what's important to you. Look within your own soul and say, what is important? Don't always worry what everyone wants you to do, as I spent most of my life doing. You have to make your own decision because the only thing in life you control is one thing. And that's your decision. Everything else is random. And when you control a decision, then you control what your next statement's gonna be. Other than that, you control nothing. Deep. Great advice. Love it. That's Anytime. it. Mike. Uh, we ciao, ciao, ciao. We appreciate <laughs> you coming on and taking the time to sit down with us. Honestly, it's been a great conversation. If people want to find out more about you, what you're doing, where can they go? How can they find you? Well, come down to elmacombo.com and check out what we're doing. And anything you want to do, you got to reach out to max at elmacombo.com or alicia at elmacombo.com, who are my two booking agents that take care of my elmacombo business. We also have Andy Curran and Julie Hoffman who do the work there right now. Obviously, Carly Weckerly. 
Queen Bee uh, is my love, and uh, and Danielle Wackerly, who works alongside Carly, because it's a family affair. It's a family affair, <laughs> and that's what we got to work on, man. And uh, thank you very much, man. Work, thanks. Been a Appreciate pleasure. Appreciate it. If you made it this far, subscribe, like, all right. follow Mike, so all I, that fun I, stuff. I leave you with one <laughs> statement here. Back to my statement of dragons and wax out of the house. <laughs> you like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain And I don't remember all of my mistakes in every I got alone No one thing You're not alright I'm not alright